Mark chapter 6, we're going to read verses uh, 1 through 13. As we continue this sermon series about places in the Gospels where it talks about people being amazed. Mark chapter 6 and verse 1. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were what? Amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are the what are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was, what? Amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey, except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Wherever, I'm sorry, whenever you enter a home, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. This is the word of the Lord. So I want to start with just, it's just a little one minute clip, which does a good job of illustrating the the subject we want to get into this morning. This happened uh, three or four years ago. There was a concert, um, I think it was in Boston, and there's this grand uh, orchestra performing, and... Um, and after they're done with the piece, which is a, a beautiful, uh, I think it's a piece by Mozart, they, they finish with this beautiful piece, beautifully performed, and then there's this pause, and then the child makes a sound. Uh, this is just one minute. child that said wow at the end of that he's an elementary school student he's on the autism spectrum didn't know you weren't supposed to say that kind of thing but when I watched that clip and I saw it a few years ago and it kind of reminded me as I came back to this um, like that's the right reaction isn't it you know I mean here you have this piece beautifully done 
But all these people, you think of all these performers, that all these musicians that have learned how to play their instruments with great um, uh, skill, and they all gather together and they perfectly play this magnificent piece by one of the greatest composers of all time. And, and we would just sit there and be like, it's done. The correct response would be, wow, that was amazing. And as you think about this passage today, we have, um, we have Jesus coming back to his hometown and he's doing amazing things. And the response is not what you would expect. The response is not, wow, that is amazing. But it's actually in the other direction. If you have your sermon uh, outlines with you there in the bulletin, you want to follow along. We're going to talk about um, this morning faith, both faith that amazed Jesus in the lack of faith and faith that amazed Jesus in the prevalence of their faith. Amazed at their lack of faith. Sometimes familiarity can get in the way of faith. Sometimes familiarity can get in the way of faith. So as we look at this, just the first few verses here, Jesus is in what town? He's in Nazareth, and that's his hometown. And it says there at the beginning, in verse 1, that he he left where he was at, and he went to his hometown. And in verse 2, we said, uh, as we read it a moment ago, we know the fact that the word amaze shows up there. When the Sabbath came, he went to teach in the synagogues, and many many who heard him were amazed. And so, as they're amazed, you would tend to think, you know, knowing how great Jesus' teaching is, that they would be amazed in a way, oh man, this is incredible, I can't wait to get more. But that's not what happens. As we read the rest of 2 and then down through 3, where did this man get these things? What's this wisdom that he has been given? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters with us? And they took what? Offense at him. They took offense at him. And because of that, even though all those things he had done, when we get down to verse 6, that he is not amazed at their faith, he's amazed at their lack of faith. So the question then becomes, and that's where we want to start, is why did they have a lack of faith? And the point that I believe is true is this. Their familiarity blinded them to being able to see Jesus for who he really was. What's it say there when they're, when they're seeing Jesus do these things? They're like, wait a second, we've known this guy for forever. He's the carpenter. He's Mary's son. Why, why does he all of a sudden think that he can come in here and, and give all this, this teaching and think that somehow we're going to be really impressed with it? And so it was the familiarity that they had with Jesus, having seen him be raised up, that caused them to not be able to have faith in him. I think this is a danger for some of us who have been Christians for 20 years or 30 years or 40 years or 50 years, is we, we know all the stories. Like, we're really familiar with Jesus. And we, you know, when you started this, there were some of you that as I'm reading down through, you know, yeah, I know this whole story because you've read it 20 times before, 50 times before. And sometimes our familiarity with Jesus as Christians who've been around for a long time and walking for a long time creates a situation where we kind of, well, this is the way we do our, our walk of faith. This is the way that we do what we do. And we don't see Jesus for who he really is. We don't see Jesus for the promises that he makes and for what he's willing to do. But instead, our familiarity causes us to not have the faith that we should. I believe today that God desires to do 
incredible things among His church. I believe that God wants to do great things as we talk about fire from heaven. And one of the things that I think is holding us back is not that God is unwilling. I do think we there's timing issues. I don't know when exactly He wants to bring it. But it's not that God is unable to do that. The biggest problem, I think, is that for many of us who have been Christians for a long time, we don't have the expectation that God is going to do something great among us. We just kind of expect it to go the way that it's always gone and not have that faith that God can do great things. The, the next thing in your outline, the consequence of, as we look at verse 5, and, and this is important, again, for fire from heaven, the consequence is it's striking that Jesus' ability to do miracles was impeded by their lack of faith. It was impeded by their lack of of faith. As you look at verse 5, and, and I'm going to confess to this up front, verse 5 is one I cannot fully unpack this verse. There's something here I don't completely understand. Um, so Jesus says in verse 4, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Now, Jim, explain to me why their lack of faith impacted Jesus' ability to do miracles. I, I cannot fully unpack that. I, I don't fully understand that, except to just say, in the way that God orchestrated the power of Jesus to be able to be performed, um, the power of God the Father to flow through Him, their faith made a difference. Their faith made a difference. And when the faith wasn't present, it impeded the ability of Jesus to do miracles. Um, this is not pleasant to say, but one of the things that passage teaches us is that when we don't have, as the people who should be believers in Christ, when we don't have faith in who Jesus is, not just that He's our Savior, but that He is willing and able to work powerfully among us today, when we don't have faith, not just like the preacher says it in a sermon, so we all say amen and we go on with it, but like that I'm counting on it, I expect it, I believe that God can and will do great things. When we don't have that faith, one of the reasons that we sometimes don't see God move powerfully among us is because we don't have faith that He's going to. And so this passage really is one that kind of is troubling because as we think about it, we see Jesus doing all these great miracles in other places, and then we come into Nazareth where he's he was raised and he's been around there for a long time, and we don't see the miracles in the same way. And I wonder, as we see in other parts of the world where Christianity is newer, it hasn't been there as long. And we see those areas seeing God do really powerful things. And here in America, we see less. I wonder how much of that is our lack of faith. So let's talk about a better example. Flip over with me to Luke chapter 7. So this is an example in Mark chapter 6 of Jesus not being impressed. He was amazed at their lack of of faith. In Luke chapter 7, 
we have a story of Jesus being amazed at somebody's faith. Let, let's read starting in verse 6, and then I'll give you the point in the, uh, in the outline. So this is the story of the centurion. And the centurion has a servant who's, who's really, really sick. He's going to die. So he sends um, some of the Jewish leaders to go and to talk to Jesus and say, listen, this, this centurion wants this miracle, wants, wants healing for his servant. Uh, Luke 7, verse 6. So they come and, and ask Jesus to come and do this miracle. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent his friends to say to him, Lord, don't, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I, am, for I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Here it is. You ready? When Jesus heard this, he was what? All right, say it again, louder. When Jesus heard this, he was, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following, following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. What's the key to that passage? The key to that passage is this. The core of the centurion's faith was that he believed Jesus had authority. He believed that Jesus had authority. Authority. That is the key to what the centurion has to say there in those verses. As he's going down through that explanation, here first he's very humble and says, I'm not worthy for you to come. But it's key there in verse 8 when he says why he doesn't even expect Jesus to have to come. For I myself am a man under authority. And then he goes on to say, if I tell this servant to go, he's going to go. If I tell the servant to come, he's going to come. If I say go do this, he's going to do that. Why? Because I am the leader. I am in charge. And when I say for something to happen, that is going to happen. And he's saying to Jesus, he's saying, I believe in the spiritual things that you are the person with authority. And so when you say go, it's going to happen. When you say come, it's going to happen. When you say do this, it's going to happen. Because Jesus is someone with spiritual authority. If you're with me on that, say amen. Jesus is someone with spiritual authority. And so as we understand that, that's the nature of, as we get down into verse 9, and, he's, and he says, I tell you, I've not found such great faith even in Israel. It came down to a core, that great faith came down to a core of that man believing that Jesus had authority. When Jesus said this, it's going to happen. When Jesus said that, it's going to happen. The thing that really strikes me there in verse 9, though, before that, that's the nature of it is the authority. But as we think back to Mark chapter 6, and Jesus is amazed at their lack of faith, and we don't want to be that person who allows familiarity with Jesus to, to cause us to not expect things out of Him. But verse 9 to me is, is just, I don't know, like I said a minute ago, I couldn't fully unpack that whole thing of the lack of, um, uh, the, their lack of faith not causing, uh, or causing rather, the, the miracles to not happen. And verse 9 is kind of the same way a little bit, only on the other end. 
um, it, this is really hopeful to me. And, and, and something... It, it's hard to imagine a greater compliment that, that Jesus could give you than what verse 9 says. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at it. What, wouldn't it be awesome if we, as we started to read the Word and as we got in there, that we began to believe that if Jesus said it, it's true. And if Jesus said it, He had the authority to make that happen. And so as we read the promises, even though they are gigantic promises for great harvest and great fruitfulness, that we believe them. And as we come to prayer, we're not like, well, God, just please do this little tiny thing. But instead, we begin to believe and have faith that Jesus can do great things because Jesus has authority. And that Jesus from heaven would look at Madison Baptist Church and go, man, I am amazed at their faith. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be an, that would be an incredible thing to think that He looked at us and he said, I am amazed at the faith that they have. But it's important if we want to see that happen to not just look around and say, well, this church is kind of acting like this and that believer is kind of acting like that. Because we have a lot of people around us who have that familiarity problem we talked about a minute ago where, well, this is just all we can kind of expect because they've been around Jesus so long. Instead, we need to come back to the Word. And when it says um, over in, in one of the Gospels where Jesus is talking, he says, listen, when, when you have the Word of God in you, and you allow that to grow within you, the fruitfulness is going to be 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Like, not just a life that makes a teeny tiny difference, but you are going to be overflowing in fruit. We need to believe that and say, all right, Jesus, you said it was going to happen, and so I'm going to take you at your word, and I'm going to start to live with the faith that you are not going to do little teeny tiny things through me, but that through me and through our church, you are going to be abundantly fruitful. Well, but Jim, like, I, I look around, and there's not a lot of churches that are like that. You know why? Because we're not taking Jesus at his word. Is the word of God true except in 2023 in America? The word of God is true, period, end of discussion. And so we need to, when we see what he has to say, we need to take that in and begin to follow him and believe. So what happens when you do that? Well, let's go back to Mark chapter 6 because we have an example of that. In Mark chapter 6, right after the lack of faith that the hometown shows, the, the story then transfers. Remember the second half was the, was the disciples going out. And we see an example of what happens when people do exactly what we're talking about. What's great faith look like on a mission? They followed his instructions, preached his message, and saw his power. They saw his power. Back in Mark chapter 6, in verse 6, it says, he was amazed at their lack of faith. But Mark does not leave us there, but he then transfers over to Jesus went around teaching village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority. There's that word again. He's giving them authority. Just like he gives us authority. There are other passages we look at this morning, if we had the time, that Jesus has given authority to his church. Jesus gave them authority as they go out. And then he gives them these instructions, verses 8, 9, 10, 11. 
those are specific for them as they were going out. Those aren't instructions like we don't have to today. It says, take no, nothing but a staff, no bread, no money. That was specific to their mission in that moment. That's not specific to the way that we go forward today. But nonetheless, the, the important thing is, Jesus gave them specific directions, and what did they do? They obeyed them. They did what Jesus said to do. And so they obeyed the directions. Verse 12, they went out and preached that people should repent. That's a, the main message that Jesus put forward. Why? Because we're sinners and we fall short of the glory of God and we're away from God. And so they went out to say, listen, you need to repent because there's now a kingdom of God that you can be a part of. But in order to get into it, you need to repent of your sins and Jesus will make you into a new person. But look what happened when they listened to what Jesus said, they went forward and did what He said, and they preached the message He said. Verse 13 says, they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. They saw Jesus' power. They saw Jesus' power. And so when we obey the teaching of Christ, and when we go forward in the way that He has told us to, and when we preach His message, we should expect, not hope for, maybe, we'll see, we should expect the power of Jesus Christ to show up. And so we need to, as we go forward as a church, and as we think about fire from heaven, and as we think about God moving in our individual lives, we need to move from, well, I don't know, maybe something will happen, and raise up the expectation that when Jesus says it's going to happen, it's going to happen, that we have the authority of Christ to rest our faith on, and we then go forward believing that when we hear His call, follow His call, obey what He has told us to do, preach His message, we will see His now, where does that leave us? Well, it leaves us with a, a question to close on and a question for each of our hearts, and that's this. What kind of amazement will Jesus have about our faith? What kind of amazement will Jesus have about our faith? Will He look at us? Let's fast forward uh, 100 years. We're all dead and gone, and, um, and we're all standing before God, and He talks about Madison Baptist Church on this Sunday in May in 2023. What was our collective faith? We look at us and say, you guys didn't expect anything out of me. Like if I just, you know, got you a, you know, if you're driving through downtown Charles, you're like, oh, Jesus, I need a parking place. And I give you a parking place. You're like, it's a miracle. Or were you praying for God to move in a way that had never happened in Boone County before? And because you prayed on the authority of that, you then believed that it was going to happen, and I did great things through you. I want to close with a story of, of all things from Sunday school last week. Elizabeth Hill is our elementary school teacher, and she uh, was teaching the story of Lazarus. In uh, John chapter 11, Lazarus dies, Jesus shows up four days later, raises Lazarus from the dead. So Elizabeth is teaching the story last week. And as she's teaching it, she gets to the part where Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And the passage says what? Lazarus came forth. And he was raised from the dead. And as she's teaching that passage and reading that, um, her daughter Sarah was in the room. And when, when Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth, and the passage says, and Lazarus come for came forth, Sarah gasped out loud. 
Why? Because it happened. And she heard the story. Maybe that was the first time she ever heard the story. She heard the story, and she heard that Jesus Christ had the power to raise somebody from the dead. And when she heard it, she had, just like the young man we started with today, she had the right reaction, which was, wow. She gasped at the reality that Jesus Christ could do that. How many times do I read that passage? I'm like, yeah, yeah, Jesus went there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Why am I not reading that like an elementary school student? And reading that, and when it says, and Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, I'm like, I serve somebody that can raise someone from the dead. We need to have that kind of faith. The faith of a child that says, if Jesus said it, if the Bible teaches it, then I know I can count it. Because I believe in the authority Father, forgive us this morning for the pathetic faith that we show sometimes. And Father, I ask this morning that you would would bolster us, encourage us, lift us up by the example of the centurion. That we might pursue having faith that amazes Jesus. Father, we know it starts with believing in His authority. Help us. Increase our faith. I pray in Jesus' name.